Ghost Ship Radio Network. Sail onward. What's up, folks? Welcome to episode 22 of the Adjacent Hex podcast. My name is Zach. And taking off his William Shatner mask is Doug. How's it going, man? <laughs> Terrified as always. Terrified as always. Uh, no, it's great. Uh, Halloween. Anybody who's listened to the show since we've started knows that Halloween is my favorite holiday. Uh, Our favorite holiday. Fall is my favorite season. I've been Our watching horror season. movies. I've been uh, eating candy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too, unfortunately. I've been playing horror games. Interestingly, so... Uh, those who are regular listeners of the podcast know that I'm uh, in the deep bowels of planning a wedding lately, and I have not had time to play horror games, and I'm really sad about it. Well, that's not entirely true. It's not entirely true. I've played we'll, a couple. We'll get but... into it. Yeah, um, we will absolutely but, get into but it. For... <laughs> I just want to get right into it. I love Halloween so much. I actually... Oh, this isn't on the list. I got to play Two Rooms in a Boom again. That's a fun fun little game. Yeah, I'm not going to talk about it just because I've, I've mentioned it before, but it's the annual Halloween party or the halfway to Halloween party, right? as was the case. And we um, usually play May. it at Gen Con, and it's, it's just like we're all so dog-tired that we can't focus on anything bigger. <laughs> yeah, well... So the last time I played it, it was a, a Halloween party, mm-hmm. and uh, normally that's sort of our 12 o'clock, people are a little inebriated, <laughs> and then we start two rooms in a boom, um, but we had brought the baby to this party, and oh, so right. I was I was leaving early, Yeah. Uh, so we went ahead and played early, and uh, it's always fun. I love that game. Yeah, it's I a good game. I love that game. So, um, uh, yeah, yeah. But that I just that just came to me that that wasn't on the list. Uh, not, uh, that's also not really a horror game. No, it's um, not really. But it, I mean, it isn't in a sense. Like it, I mean, something bad is about to happen. Yeah, but I'd call it more suspense. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I mean it is a deduction game. It's a so, it's a party social deduction game. It's not like correct. Yeah, other games on our list that we'll get. It's not. To. It's not a traditional horror game. But it's, it's not definitely, a it's definitely got some suspense game. elements to it. No, but uh. I don't know. I kind of jumped the gun, but this year I've actually found a couple of good horror movies too that I really enjoyed, um, which is nice because a lot of horror movies. I I've been known to say that uh, I love horror movies, which is why I hate most of them. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Because I like they have to be either good or they have to sort of go into the room territory where they're so bad they're good. Yes, exactly. I don't like a lot of the, I guess, mainstream, the jump scare horror that's coming out. Yeah, I don't either. And it's interesting that we brought up suspense games yeah. to start things off because I'm the same way with movies. Like, I prefer suspenseful movies to jump scare movies. Jump scare just, I honestly, it bores me. I'm well, sick because of it. it's startling. It's not yeah. scary. And that's even, even I'll bring up It right? because it was sort of the, the big movie that came out. Yeah. And I really liked it as a movie, but I didn't find it scary. And mm-hmm. I knew right away I wouldn't because there were two jump scares in the first five minutes. Yeah, see, that's that's overkill. You know, so it didn't scare me. I enjoyed the film, but I wasn't mm-hmm. scared. And again, you know, I've seen the other movie. I've read the book, so maybe it's just worn off. And I would recommend the film, but not not as a horror movie. Yeah, um, that's fair. So. All right, we're shifting gears all over the place. Uh, so you mentioned that you didn't get to play a lot of horror, but I know that's not true because I got to play a couple horror games with you. The first one, well, the first one being uh, an oldie but a goodie, a game called Love Letter. Yeah, we love Love Letter. <laughs> not a horror game in the Not slide. a horror well, game at, at all. Not at least not in its raw form. Yeah, well, I just, so we went up um, for your bachelor party. Yep. A bunch of us, we got a cabin and played board games, went and did an escape room, went out to eat, had a bunch of fun. Uh, but I got to play Love Letter at your bachelor party, mm-hmm. and I hadn't played it probably in a year. Oh, yeah, and it's been a while for me, too. That game is so good. For it 10 is. bucks. 10 bucks, 16 cards, 
you just can't do much well, better than that. I, I really, I, I don't know if you. It just we pulled it out. Everybody knows how to play. We played over and over. And I know the next morning I came downstairs and people were sitting at the table playing Love Letter. Yeah, we were already it, up and playing Love it's Letter. It's just, it's like, I don't, know, I don't know. The game is just so good, and I just. I'm glad I got to play it again because it had been a while, mm-hmm. and that game is just—it's got staying power for me. It's—it's um, it's so small and simple and portable and easy to teach. Like yeah. my brother doesn't do board games at all, and I, and I know you figured that out quickly at the party. <laughs> but he learned Love Letter in seconds, and he was like, "Okay, I can handle this. This is easy, no problem." And he, just like the rest of us, when he would get knocked out, especially later on in the first night, uh, he would get you know sarcastically upset about it and and that just adds to the the fun and goofy nature of that game yeah i i gotta tell you though for your brother my favorite reaction of his of that weekend just a reminder he's not really a gamer but he did pretty well he He did he he, he put in the effort Uh, he did he did he tried (laughs) but you uh you guys play i wasn't in this game but i overheard but you guys were playing sentinels yes and since you had some new people, you were playing Baron Blade. Yeah, we sure uh, were. He thought you guys had won. Oh, and didn't right. realized that you just flipped Baron Blade over. Yep. Once you beat him, and I think his react his reaction to that, uh, which I can't adequately describe, no, uh, was, it was probably just, my favorite was, of his of the week. He was livid. He was like, "Wait, we're not done yet." Well, he thought he'd won the game. Yeah. Oh, he, like, he, he was convinced he had won the game. Thank you, Christopher yeah. and Adam, for throwing that little wrench into the thing. <laughs> so, so somebody not expecting that, uh, that was that was a priceless reaction. It really was. And then he went he went on to continue to just go ham, and uh, he did a pretty good job. <laughs> I think he was playing as expatriate. Was he? I don't even I know. So. Like I said, I wasn't in that game. I was over on the side. I was doing something else, but it was right. like... Uh, Oh, we played Laser Riders that weekend, too. We did play Laser and Riders that weekend. I, w- I want to get the non-horror games out of the way. Yeah. Uh, I got to play Ri- Laser Riders. The first time I played it was a two-player game. Yep. This time we played a four-player game. Four players, none of whom were entirely sober, uh, uh, on a <laughs> yeah. tiny table. As a four-player game, that was a lot of fun. It, it really was. Chaos absolute just people i i think at one point i ran out of pieces and i was just spiraling until death like all i could do was was. make turns oh was that john john was trying so hard to get one hex and he ended up (laughs) snaking in on himself over and over and over he couldn't crash into himself that's what it it was yeah i mean it was just oh i'm mixing my games up i had a let's just say it probably wasn't in the clearest mind while we were playing that yeah but i'm watching john i remember now because he was to my left Mm mm-hmm and he was just going in circles, and he and he kept hitting like the edge of this the piece to score, right? And couldn't and, quite and get what it. Was, the, the problem that he was uh, facing was that he was rolling exactly what he needed to place exactly the wrong piece. <laughs> so, like, when he needed to roll one thing, he would roll the other and be like, "Well, okay, now I continue to spiral." But he never crashed. Yeah, that was funny. Uh, that was a fun game, though. Yeah, it was a great game. It's just uh, a little so... little bad luck for him, and, yeah. and that's fine. Okay, so Love Letter, getting these out of the way. Love Letter, uh, Laser Riders. Did I play anything else that wasn't horror? I mean, we played, uh, Corey and Joff and I played, and Travis played uh, Settlers of Catan, the travel version. That's right. And that's I do right. have to shout that game out because the travel version makes the game so much more fluid than all the exp- like I'm used to playing at the store with my boss and a couple of the guys who hang out there and those games are cutthroat and brutal <laughs> and it, you know we play with the super deluxe limited edition 3D yeah, tiles yeah. and all that yeah I've seen the the board that you guys have yeah it's it's nuts it's overkill yeah and is. and you know we're always playing with it's one expansion that. or another whereas the travel version breaks it down to just the base game again it does have the um, five to six player expansion, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but we played a game, took maybe an hour, probably less, for four players. Yeah, because uh, that reminds I I got to play Ashes. Eric had yeah. never played Ashes before, and so I taught him the game. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think your game took as long as our game of Ashes. Yeah, which is so. great, and I think that's that's Catan as I remember it. 
Yeah, I've I... never played Catan, which people often seem surprised at. Um, <laughs> Sounds like a topic for our new podcast. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler warning. I think we're past everything that wasn't horror. I think so. So let's dive in. Okay, let's start with Fate of the Elder Gods. Absolutely. Because we've talked about that before, but this was the first time I've played the non-prototype version. Yes, so I finally got my copy of the release version. Now, of course, I've played Fate of the Elder Gods release version a couple of times at Gen Con, but I was demoing that, so I didn't get, really get to play myself. Right, right. Um, and it's, it seemed, the, the final components are fantastic. I love the cultists. I almost want to buy just a bag of cultists and stick them around my house, which is a yeah. weird thing to say. Well, but <laughs> I mean, but they're very, they're very cool minis. Oh, they really are. They're taller and they, they look like Arkham cultists. Whereas the, the prototype version, it was using the defenders of the realm, which are also nice. And yeah, but they're, they're, and they're fine, but like, it's not quite the same. They're not, and and they take up less space, and they're less visually appealing. The colors are the color choice was really really good. I think I'm pretty sure it is colorblind friendly. They used a, a green, a purple, a yellow, and a red, which are all distinctly different color shades. There isn't um, a black team. There's not a black dude. Um, <laughs> I the, always play the, as green, so I yeah, don't know. Yeah, I'm always purple if I can be. And the uh, the dice look great with the laser engraved and the mm-hmm. sort of uh, yellow mm-hmm. ink wash over them. And the elder signs, so the elder signs in the prototype copy were like little tiddlywinks. And yeah. this time they are uh, punch board. Uh, it's punch board circles that your mm-hmm. doom tracker actually fits inside. So it's yeah. very clear to see when you cross the streams. You're not like knocking components around all the time. So I won this game. Yes, you did. Uh, so I am I'm two for two in Fate of the Elder Gods. <laughs> Very different style win though. The yeah. first time I got so I think we I don't remember when we talked about it in a past episode. Was it last Halloween? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Okay. And I mentioned that Jesse uh, needed to roll uh, essentially a three or better and had yeah. eleven dice to do so, and she needed to do it three times and mm-hmm. couldn't do it even once. So I ended up having this big remarkable comeback where I like strung together some spells, some artifacts that I found and I, I got all around the score tracker. Yeah. So, uh, this time I won completely different strategy because the other way to win that game is if somebody fills their score tracker with elder signs, Mm -hmm. the person with the fewest wins the game. Yes. So, very early on in the game, Corey had some bad luck. He sure did. And suddenly I'm looking around the board, and Corey, only a few rounds in, has like four or five Elder Signs already. Yeah. And Eric had two or three, and you had one or two, and I'm sitting here at zero. Yep. With no, uh, what are they called? The detectives? Uh, investigators. The investi- With no investigators on my board, which is how you accrue bad stuff for you. Uh, so I just slammed Corey hard and tried to rush the end game, hoping I didn't catch up to you or Eric in the meantime. Right. Uh, And and uh, if I had, I probably would have had to switch gears a little, but I kept throwing investigators at Corey and making him roll handfuls of dice, hoping to, uh, get as many elder signs on the board as I could, and it paid off. So. Yeah, it sure did. Yeah, it was a... I did. I didn't really play my my uh, hero power. Yeah, I felt that that was a little bit uh, in in our game in particular. That took a back seat. Yeah. Well, I if Corey hadn't rolled so poorly, and I hadn't just found myself in this weird position where I was in a, you know, kind of set up to do what I did. I yeah. don't know if I would have taken that strategy. But given the circumstances, I thought let's go for it. Yeah. So. And I, I like th- that's I think my favorite part of that game is there's so many different lines to uh, lines of play. I won't even say lines to victory because you know not all lines point to not all roads lead to Rome, if, if you will. Right, right. Um, but like I was talking to Richard Lanius, one of the game's designers at Gen Con, and he was telling me that the artifact mechanic in the prototype we played last year um, was very, very different. So uh, Daryl Louder had designed most of the artifacts at the time, and Richard was saying he he played a couple of prototype games, and he's like, 
let me see that artifact deck. He brought it back to Daryl a couple of weeks later, and Daryl's reaction was, and I quote, You're mean. <laughs> so, so he made uh, the artifacts much more aggressive? I'm, I'm sorry, I, I meant uh, uh, curses. Not not artifact, curses. Oh, our, okay. Sorry about that. Okay. Um, and yeah, he, he, he brings the curses back, and, and Daryl says, You're mean. And Richard just laughed it off. And as we were going, as I've played more and more games, I've noticed that those curses are like you don't want them anymore. They're last year, last year's edition, they were manageable. You could get, you could get by. Mm-hmm. This year, uh, uh-uh. uh, you avoid curses like the plague. Like it's a curse. It, it sure feels like a curse <laughs> at this point. Um, but like a lot of the, a few of the artifacts have changed. Some wording has changed. Um, yeah. There's there's a promo coming out at uh, Unpub. That is uh, uh, the Unpub mascot, Bloodle the Noodle. But anyway, uh, so the the Bloodle plum- promo comes out at, uh, at at Unpub, and it the looks what? The Bloodle the Noodle. That's Cerulean Worm or something like that. Okay. <laughs> um, it's it's pretty awesome, and it is a an artifact that sort of cycles around the table and does bad things to you every turn. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, like, I mean, there, if you roll. Like a one in, if you have a one in six chance of it actually doing something useful, the the other the other five five are bad are not good. So what happens? Like you roll, something happens to you, and then you pass. Pretty much. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm trying to find the exact wording on it, but um, all right. Well, that's cool. I like that. I like that um, cursed artifact element. Yeah. I mean, that was a, you know, the universal monster type movies. Here it is. So it's tap, roll a die on a or on on a squid. You destroy one cultist at any one location. On a tentacle, move one cultist to any other location. On a lesser elder sign, elder branch, uh, sacrifice one cultist from your lodge. On an elder star, give cerulean tendril to any other cult. So it's not completely horrible. Okay, so it's not completely bad. You got got a decent shot at doing all right. Yeah, I thought it was worse than it was, but it's... it's, The art is fantastic, and uh, shout out to Nolan Nasser for... Well, the the art art is good all around in that game. Yeah. Um, But the... The other thing, like, I'm thinking, because some seem good, some seem bad, but there can be times where you might not want to move your cultists. Right, yeah, so exactly. So I feel like that could, that could go either way, depending, that could be situational. Exactly. So, okay, that's Fate of the Elder Guts. Yes. Uh, all right, what else did we, I played Arkham Horror with you. You, you did, finally. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'm going to have to play this again. Well, yes. So there was a lot going on in that game. Well, I did not have the best experience. So what ended up happening was we had seven slash eight players. Because yep. John Juan and I were kind of tag teaming a, par- uh, a character. And half of us at the table had never played before. Yes. And then we had a ex- couple expansions added on. Yes. And I think that was the problem. <laughs> My first hour of play, I moved two spaces, picked up a token... Rolled two dice, and I wa- my character watched a leaf fall. Then I walked to the bank, got a $10 loan, walked three spaces, picked up a coin, somebody bumped into me into a bar, and I got thrown into the street. And that was like my first hour. Uh-huh. Um, so there was, there was one point where there was like five or six monsters on a space, and Corey went to fight them. And so he's fighting all these monsters, and I turned to Joff, and I said, uh, a lot of downtime in this game. And he said, too many players. Too many players and too many new players, which I think can bog any game down. Yeah. Uh, but uh, he recommend I would like to try Arkham Horror, just base game, maybe one or two expansions that people really recommend with, like, four players honestly that is where alex and i have had disagreements okay so i i agree with you 100 percent. i think when you're teaching the game it, you need to sit down with one experienced player and whoever is interested in learning the game and be ready for a slog but you only want to use the base game and the um curse of the dark pharaoh expansion it's a okay. small box it just adds one more space to interact with it's actually uh it, it increases the flow of the game it, okay. it increases your options and it makes things easier. Okay. Um, it, for the most part, there are modules in that box that can make it harder, but like you don't use those. 
when you have experienced players, if you have eight experienced players, the game works perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's how we played at the store all the time. But when when you have people who are learning the game, you don't want a, a full boat. Yeah. You have to be ready to take things one step at a time and really focus on what is going on in the game because yeah. you're right there there is a lot of downtime but with with a smaller player count that becomes less significant right it's much more diminished well the other thing is not only did we have a lot of new players to that game mm-hmm. we had a handful of non gamers yeah playing my brother a jo- yeah but not just your brother even even John Wah at one point turned to me and said uh I don't know John's gaming experience he has um, some but not not yeah, our level that's that's sort of what i got from him but he looked at me and he goes i think i got in way over my head with this game i was frankly astonished that john and my brother actually sat down at the table um, right you know i figured that was going to be me you joff Corey, and alex yeah i, yeah. I and maybe eric I, who didn't play anyway um i did not expect right th- and i think that's why alex chose to put the expansions into play mm-hmm because he didn't expect it either. Yeah. Well, um, I also I also had like I had a weird instance. So I picked this FBI agent. Yep. And he was a very good character. But. Yeah. His whole backstory though is that he's a really by the book crime solver, mm-hmm. and all these weird things are happening, and there's nothing in the book about them. So he's right. kind of like he's not entirely a fish out of water. Right. But he's also very much a rule follower that suddenly yeah. has no rules to follow. And he's not familiar with the occult. He's not familiar with monsters. He's not familiar with magic or all these things. And right. then, but then I got my, we were using an expansion where you had a connection to the person to the left and right of you. Yes. And the connection Travis and I slash John had was something about casting magic spells, which didn't fit to my character. And then I started with a skill, and it was like a cult master or something. So every time I cast a spell, blah, blah, blah. But So two of my three traits right out of the box didn't really apply to my character at all. So I, I just, I would like to try it again, like, like I said, much smaller yeah. scale game. And- uh, you know, it, learning from that game, and, and we talk about a, a lot about learning on this podcast because it's it's really you know what we're all about. I, I brought this, the game back to the store, and I it was just me, me and my buddy Kyle, and we sat down and we played. We we didn't take anything out of the box, but we didn't play with the extra boards. We didn't play right. with, uh, we you know if we if we drew a card that wasn't relevant, we would just discard it, and it worked perfectly. You don't have to take the whole set apart. You don't have to you know. Mm-hmm. Pull mm-hmm. this or that or the other thing out of it. It you just you just discard things that have if the wrong expansion If it's not something you're symbol. using, you just pass it. A, yeah, draw something new. Yeah, and it's it it is a modular game in that respect. And okay, maybe it it messes with some of the mechanics, but it's not really relevant. It's a story driven game. Mm-hmm. And if you're enjoying the story, then you're winning the game. Hard stop. Alex and I talk all the time about when we finish a game of Arkham, win or lose, we want to play again immediately. And it's because right. of that super right. strong narrative. See, and I think, I think too, like, I even said, uh, can I switch my skill? And Alex is like, no, you're just stuck with whatever you got. But Unfortunately, like, kinda, that is true. It killed the story, though. It, it does. killed my it, character. It, right. <laughs> like, it, it made him pretty much useless. Yeah, it, it, it can nerf characters completely. Yeah. And, I, and I've played through that before. Um, there are ways to change it. Yeah. Um, but it's difficult. Yeah, I know at one point I actually gave that ability to Corey because yeah. he had a way to take things. And I was like, well, yeah. it's not helping me, so you can have it. Yes, so, exactly. So I don't know. Uh, not the best experience. Yeah, it was uh, also gaming. late and, you know, we were tired and we'd just gotten yeah. home from the escape room and a very late dinner, which I won't get into on this show, but the service was not strong. But yeah, so Arkham Horror, I mean, it's it's good that, you know, you've played a game, you can talk about it now. Uh, mm-hmm. But I definitely want to get you to the table for a, a smaller... Yeah, we'll do a um, smaller version. and uh, Yeah, we'll see where you're at. Okay, so let's talk, what else have we got? You mentioned that when we were playing Arkham Horror, you would play with the base game and one... Was it Tomb of the Pharaoh? Uh, Curse of the Dark Pharaoh, yes. Curse of the Dark Pharaoh. And then I see in your notes that Elder Sign has a new Egyptian 
expansion coming out. It sure does. Just when we thought everything was was released for Elder Sign, Fantasy Flight said, oh, wait, just kidding. We've got Curse of the Dark Pharaoh <laughs> for you. So, yeah, I had to bust Elder Sign out again. Now, I've been playing the digital version just because it's on my phone and it's easy mm-hmm. to access. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's the same game. And I am struggling, once again, to beat Cthulhu. That's the challenge that Eric and I left off on uh, last time we were playing. It's a mm-hmm. pass-and-play game uh, on the phone. Okay. Um, and, you know, Cthulhu, I beat him the first time with no trouble. I just sat down at my computer and hammered through Cthulhu and was like, oh, that was really easy. What's going on? Since then, I've played him 23 times, cannot beat him. <laughs> 23 times? 23 times. Cannot wow. beat him. So the, the stars were aligned the first time. I guess. Must have Well, been. I mean, that that happens in games, though. I mean, I've mentioned that on Zombie Side. It- Mm-hmm. probably hop into our Arkham Horror where oh, yeah. things just fall a certain way and that, that one experience isn't necessarily, you know, indicative of gameplay as a whole. Well, and that's, uh, once again, talking to Richard Launius, the designer of all these games that we've talked about so far, Fate of the mm-hmm. Elder Gods, Arkham Horror, <laughs> Elder Sign, uh, he said that's the way he designed it. They're designed to tell a story, mm-hmm. and whether you win or lose, they're always telling a story. I'll never forget the time that Ashcan Pete became the richest bum in Arkham. I'll never forget <laughs> the time that... Uh, you know, Alex lost a blessing before he even had it. You know, it, all these stories make you want to play, they compel you to play the game again and again and again. Mm. And, and that's why I can easily play against Cthulhu 20, 24 times and beat him once. Well, also, Elder Sign's a quick little dice checker. It is, it's yeah. Fun. It, it, it like. doesn't require much thought, you, and it's it's very easy to pick up. He, he designed it for his daughter. I think I've mentioned mm-hmm. this on the show before. Uh, he designed it for his daughter, who wasn't super into games, and she loves it. Yeah, and it's all the same characters that we're all that we know and love. So, uh, do we know when that expansion's gonna drop? Uh, Mike ordered it the other day. I don't think he has a release date on it yet. Okay. I think it's like January I mean, or something like that. Board. This is a topic for another day, but board games can be a little wonky with their uh, release dates. Yes, they can. Like, like m- music, movies are very consistent. Board games have a tendency to be like third quarter and then they'll miss that anyway <laughs> yeah uh, they function on what uh, is referred what i refer to as blizzard time mm. um blizzard entertainment the creators of starcraft warcraft world of warcraft etc um, hearthstone hearthstone which we love and hate they they <laughs> will say the game will come out when it's done stop bothering us yeah and yeah. which seems rude at first but really if you want the best product that's what you say yeah, well, the, having worked in the industry, I understand things don't always go according to plan either. Absolutely. And it's one of those things where if you you catch a mistake in a piece of art, you know, that could set you back if you change it Yeah. a month, two months. I don't know. It, it depends on, on what's going on, but it can it can set you back. So. Right, and I mean, we, we've been waiting for Sentinels of the Multiverse Oblivion for a long time we've been waiting on <laughs> the pre-orders for the new sentinel tactics stuff for a long time uh we've even i mean sentinel comics rpg was supposed to come out this month there's only two days left in october i don't think that's going to happen but that's okay because they've <laughs> yeah, been transparent yeah. about it they've given us updates through the whole thing and obviously this is a topic for another day but yeah the transparency level is so important when you're releasing board games yeah uh so we're friends with the people at uh, Greater Than Games. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I say this lovingly, but I made a joke to my buddy Rob the other day, who also backed Oblivion, that yep. I was planning on giving that to her for my daughter's graduation gift. <laughs> <laughs> so, so everybody knows my daughter is six months old. <laughs> it was just, it's all, it's, it's all in good fun. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and but, you know, they, they give us updates all the time on it. It's, yeah, well, they're it's, doing, like, weekly now, right? Yeah, for it, uh, There's one more weekly update, yes, and then they'll go for, back to monthly. Uh, but, like, they've yeah. given us a lot of information. We know what's coming. I've played it. Mm-hmm. Um, it it's scary. Oblivion is scary. Let's not talk about that too much. All right, I want to talk about this game. Uh, no Richard Lanius involved. Yes, finally. Uh, so, <laughs> so this game was a game... I hadn't heard about, but I guess it caused quite a bit of buzz at Origins, mm-hmm. and I've looked it up on the Kickstarter. wasn't a very big Kickstarter, uh-huh. um, but it's getting good reviews, uh, and we were sent a copy by Dan from DPH Games. Oh, thank uh, so you, Dan. We can try this out. Yeah, uh, and Dan is also a native New Yorker, like myself. Um, so he sent us a game that uh, he created, designed all this stuff called Affliction, Salem, 
1692. Affliction, Salem, 1692. Uh, I live about, well, we, I, we live in the general same area. Yep. Live about an hour. I think I'm about an hour 15. You're probably about an hour and a half, hour 45 mm-hmm. from Salem, Massachusetts. Yep. Uh, I've never been. Oh, really? I would I would love to go and every year we say we're going we're going and I, I just October's such a busy month maybe well, I'll go in it's November it's tough to go in October we we actually went back in September uh, no right July and mm. it's it's just as creepy in July like okay they overdo yeah. it in 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 October like they go nuts but yeah. it's it's a creepy you know New England town mhm well I and I've been told like October is uh is the Salem I mean just because it's October the yeah. tourists are everywhere, and it's actually been recommended that I go in November, yeah, or September, yeah. Uh, so, so maybe in November if I find fifteen minutes, which I don't <laughs> think I will, because now that I was I gonna say November's it, a busy, busy month, man. I've got two weddings and Thanksgiving, and I'm out of the state for a whole week. Yeah. So uh, next year, <laughs> next year, old Red Sox battle cry. Oh wait, you're a Yankees fan, jerk. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man. Anyway, so this game, Affliction Salem, sixteen ninety two. So, obviously, it's based on the Salem witch trials. Yep. Uh, so you play the different families, the Proctors, the Putnams, other families. Uh huh. And there are no witches in the game. Oh. Yeah. All the people are based on real characters. So you see, like Abigail Williams is there, and mm-hmm. the Proctor families, and everybody's in the game and what's interesting is actually uh, eric found this out on the kickstarter i don't know if there are still copies available but you could buy a book that had the history of all the characters in the game oh cool so you'd have a card with with somebody on it and you could go look them up and learn their real history and the card powers try to match what that person did and how they acted during the trials realistically so uh, for example, Abigail Williams can place accusation tokens on other characters. So before I get ahead of myself, essentially what you're doing is you're playing a family and you are trying to bring certain people into your inner circle. Okay. And you are trying to arrest other people. So protect your own, arrest the others. And there's different groups. So there's the different families that I mentioned. I think there's three different families. And then there's also villagers and townspeople. Okay. So depending on sort of where they lived in real life, uh, I guess the townspeople, it's a little more, it's bigger, and the villagers are kind of people who live on the outskirts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so your player board will have, everybody gets victory points for having people in your circle, people in jail, there's uh-huh. other things like property owners. Um, if you people arrest people with property, each little house symbol counts as a victory point at the end of the game. Uh-huh. So they don't count if they're in your inner circle, but if they're in your inner circle, they have powers that you can use throughout the game. So everybody's got sort of the similar victory point conditions, but yeah. they're all different because I can only... Like, say I'm a proctor. I'm playing the proctors. Yep. I can put proctors into my inner circle, but I can't put uh, other family members necessarily. So everybody is limited to who they can have in their inner circle and who they can't have, and Uh also who they're allowed to arrest and who they're not. Oh, wow. Okay. So my board might say I can arrest this family and bring this family into my inner circle. I can arrest villagers and I can bring townspeople into my inner circle. And you'll have a player tableau that will be different. Yeah, I'm looking at the player tableaus right now. They're on BGG. Yeah, Yeah, so we're trying to pull people in, but um, not the same people but we want the same people for different reasons right right so what's really cool about the game is actually it scales from two to four players really well Uh because it tells you like you're using the red and the yellow tableaus for a two-player game then i think in the three-player game you add the blue or the green and then in the four you play with all four 
Right. But what that does is, in in sometimes when you have a four player game and you scale it down to two, you end up with people more racing than playing against each other because yeah. just there's just too many options to do things. Right. But right. in this game, the way it's tempered is Eric and I played each other. I was trying to arrest the people he was trying to bring into his inner circle, and vice oh, versa. Wow. So. We were actually, even though it was only a two-player game, we were forced to interact with each other and sort of just compete for characters. And the way you do that is there's actually, it's a worker placement game. Oh, my favorite. Yeah. So there's a a little thing at the top. Uh, The first player puts a meeple down, which are little Puritan meeples. They're cool. Uh, And then you go in turn order, placing your meeples down. And then the game... It doesn't matter. Once meeples are placed, it doesn't matter what order you place them in because they follow a track, and they okay. go in that order. So you can earn money and play accusation tokens. Over here, you can use powers. There's different ways you can place protections on people. There's different ways you can curse people. You can make people afraid so that they stop earning money and they lose their ability to use their powers. Okay. You're trying to arrest certain people. And what's interesting, you can race, but arresting somebody comes before you get to bring them in your inner circle huh so sometimes like eric and i especially late in the game we're going after the same person and i arrested him just uh, as he was planning on putting just him as he was planning to bring him into the circle oh, and wow. so everybody's got reputation points uh i think the highest i saw was six and as you place you earn influence. That's the currency of the game. Yep, yeah. But you can place these accusation tokens on characters. And once they have at least one, they're able to be arrested. Okay. And every accusation token lowers their reputation by one. So you can you can get people for free. Nice. You kind of have to balance influence with earning money, which you can use for things, against placing accusation which can lower the cost of things and then there's those fear tokens that i mentioned which kind of can just slow the other side down yeah we thought the first round or two we kind of hum and hawed we weren't really sure what to do yeah i recall you saying something very similar about our first experience with fate of the elder gods last year is like Mm -hmm. when you're just learning especially with a worker placement or uh area control game when you're just learning, you're kind of just going through the motions for the first couple of turns. Yeah. And then yeah. it clicks and you're like, oh. Well, that's what happened here is we were both kind of like our first couple of turns took a while because we weren't really sure. Should we be getting money? Should we be placing accusation already? Yeah. Uh, but it because of the tableau and there's another thing you get. There's another card you get that says you get bonus points for arresting these three characters. Yeah. And you lose points if this person's arrested. Is that like a secret objective kind of thing? It's kind of a secret objective, but it turns out Eric and I had uh, a similar, the same person on our cards. One oh. of them. So I, so we were competing for this guy, but didn't know it. Huh. There's different levels of. There's like super special villagers and then yeah. regular common villagers so it looks like you've got all these things but the game kind of guides you in the direction so suddenly you start to see a plan formulating like a character you really want in your inner circle and really don't want the other person to arrest comes out right and you're going for them and then they're placing accusation tokens on them yeah. and all of a sudden you're trying to balance you've got to keep your money coming you've got to keep your accusations flowing you've got to arrest people you've got to bring them in the inner circle and i think normally you have two pawns but in a two-player game you have three right and so you're just trying to balance i mean worker placement you know how it works but then there's also as you're bringing people into your inner circle there's things you can do that will trigger their card powers so you can do a little engine building it sounds like there's a lot going on and there is in the lot of the way of decision making right right but i thought eric and i both being gamers kind of figured out our strategies and what we wanted to do and uh we had a lot of fun with it i would i would highly recommend it actually eric as soon as we were done playing went and and looked into purchasing the game (laughs) of course he did sounds like fairly classic eric but it's uh we both loved it you you have to try it 
I can't wait. That sounds great. It sounds right up my alley. I loved the Salem Witch Trials when I was studying them as a kid. I love worker placement. I need to look at a little engine game. building. And yeah. but it also because the cards come out at different rates. Well, the people you want to arrest and stuff come out at different times. Like you're you're constantly having having to adjust what you're doing. Right, right. And then all of a sudden you look up and you'll have three number one priorities on the board and you'll be able to get one, maybe two of them, depending on what the other guy has to do. Okay, right on. And you just have these moments where, like, oh, my God, my whole family is going to jail unless I do something right now. <laughs> and it's, it's, uh, it was, it was, I liked it a lot. Awesome. I would highly recommend. I can't wait to try it. That sounds great. Uh, so, so that was Affliction, Salem 1692. And then we've both got one more game on our list. And uh, oddly enough, we, uh, we played it last Friday. Last Friday is when we played it. <laughs> the game is called Last Friday. So this is a game you got me for Christmas. Well, I guess last Christmas. Yeah, it was last year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Came in in a giant box from Cool Stuff Inc. Because, holy moly, I found myself in... Like, normally... I, I, I'm going to go off on a tangent for a second. Yeah, go but... for it. Go for it. I've been talking too long. I'm going to lose my voice. <laughs> <laughs> normally... I'm on top of Christmas. Like, I've got my Christmas shopping done by, like, mid-September. This past couple oh, of years, really? I have not been... I mean, first of all, this year, wedding planning. Like, I forget yeah. Christmas. It's just not happening. But... Christmas is canceled? Christmas is canceled, Doug. <laughs> um, but last no. year, I just found myself way behind, and I was like, I need to get a bunch of board games really fast, and the store's not going to do that. Also, mm-hmm. half the people I need to buy board games for work at the store. Work at the store, So it yeah. uh, just doesn't work anyway. Let me tell you about how fast Cool Stuff Inc. got me a giant box of board games mm-hmm. for all of you guys. Mm-hmm. Shout out to them, because kudos, Cool Stuff. Yeah, I've had no problems with them ever. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't buy from them often. No, I don't either, but they're... I think uh, I'm like a level three on my account, which isn't yeah. that high. Yeah. But every every interaction I've had with them has been pretty good. Yeah, I, ch- I check them every day. Just uh, take a look at the daily deal or whatever it is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, usually irrelevant, but worth looking at anyway. Yeah, I had to stop doing that because I kept buying daily yeah, deals. Yeah, you sure did. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but yeah, so yeah, I, I bought that for you for Christmas last year, and uh, we've been yeah. sort of like, oh, we got to play this. Oh, we got to play this. Oh, we got to play this. Oh, wait, well, we got a Halloween episode coming up. So you didn't even know this, but this game, I, I keep a um, board game geek wish list yep this game was on my wish list i i actually did know that oh you did okay that's that's where i found it (laughs) so i had been excited about this game i went home i think within two or three days i had texted you like i've already read the rules whenever (laughs) whenever we wanted to play we could i will say this though and we talked about this the other night the game plays essentially last friday is a Friday, would you? I would call it an homage to Friday the Thirteenth. Oh, absolutely! In in every way, shape, or form. So one person plays the maniac. One, two, I guess five other players play camp counselors. Yep. And or former camp. It's like a wet hot American summer almost. <laughs> it's like former CITs who've been called back for like some random gathering. I think. Event well, they're thing. reopening Camp Apache. Yes. Which is the name of the the camp in this? Yeah. Uh, and so you've got the the very much Jason and the counselors. Yeah. So in this, it's the maniac and the counselors, and but what's interesting about the game is it's played. We played one I'll call full game. Yep. Which was four rounds. Yep. But it's also divisible into four separate games. Yeah, so you can each... totally play it in four different sessions. Yeah, so each, well, even each chapter, chapter one, chapter two, three, four, is be is able to be played as a solo thing because the full game took us about three hours to play. Yeah, and that's including uh, breaks and learning. Yeah, break. I, I think, I think with two players it went a little faster because you kind of had a plan. I, I think did. if we had more players, it may have gone a little slower. Yeah, it was it was interesting. Like you, it, I find it rare that there's a game that offers, you know, up to six players, as mm-hmm. this one does, but really plays best with two. 
Well, I'd still like to try it with more. Oh, I would absolutely. Especially from the killer's point of view. Yes. Because I would be able I would like to be able to hear the green player being like, I'm gonna run for that cabin and the blue player being like, I'm gonna be doing this and have a little because you were able to sort of formulate. Yeah. Uh, I just wonder if it would change. Um but, I, I think it would. And and I think so uh the way it works is the counselors have a bunch of pawns that are they're very generic mm-hmm. pawns. Um that move on small white dots around a, a rather large map they can move yeah. two spaces at a time mm-hmm. and the maniac. maniac moves secretly on a uh mysterium or fury of dracula like partition or behind mm-hmm. that where he's just jo- jotting down numbers now the numbered circles on the board are bigger they're easier to see obviously mm-hmm. they have to contain a number so that's that's a thing as well um, but they, you know, the, the players, if they cross over one of the numbers, they risk being found by the maniac, at least in game one. So you have to sort of navigate the board and try and avoid Mr. Maniac. Sometimes. Sometimes. Other times, you are deliberately crossing numbers to try and capture the maniac and kill him. Yep. So, yeah, so, I mean, I was getting at it at a pretty roundabout way, but essentially, game one, maniac is trying to kill counselors. Right. Game two, counselors are trying to capture the maniac, and uh, I believe the narrative is throw him in the pond. Throw and they 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 beat him up and throw him in the lake, and then. And of round... course, any horror fan knows that that's not going to kill a maniac. <laughs> well, that's interesting too because the maniac can win the game on round one oh, he if sure he can. kills everybody. Yep. Uh, but the counselors, if they catch the maniac, it just advances it to chapter three. Right. So uh, then the maniac is trying to kill in chapter three, uh, a specific character this time, not just everyone. It's basically whoever threw him in the pond in the last game mm-hmm. or came the closest to throwing him in the pond. Right. Whoever was closest at the end or um, who actually did it, like you said. And, and then four is that same special person trying to hunt the maniac down. Yes. Or, uh, well, I mean, I, I shouldn't say or. The counselors are really just tr- trying to survive the night. Because the sun's mm-hmm. coming up, the maniac's going to have to go back into hiding. He's going to be easier to find. The cops will be around, whatever. If the if that chosen one manages to capture the maniac again, the maniac is, is totally defeated and the, and the counselors win. Right. Let me tell you, that was not easy. So the oh. paths around the board lead in all sorts of different directions. And mm-hmm. even with five players, five player characters and the maniac, the maniac almost always has an out. So cornering him is very tough, especially uh, if one of your counselors dies, they start over from the farthest point away from pretty much anything. Yeah, they start in the bottom left corner. Yeah, and it takes them most of the game to cross the board and get back into play. You know, we could almost discuss this by chapter. Sure. All right, right, let's let's, let's start it out that way. uh, Okay, so the first chapter, I'm the maniac, and I'm trying to kill all the counselors you are trying to collect keys, unlock cabins, and get into the cabins to safety. Yes. Or relative safety. Relative safety. Um, so you've got a boat you can use to cross the water. Once per round, I can swim across the water. While you're trying to unlock cabins with your keys, I'm trying to butcher cabins with my axe. Right. Which unlock, if I can get at least two of them, unlock a secret passage for me right so uh the first round you're scrambling around trying to get keys i am scrambling trying to kill you hot on your trail yes and there's definitely some moments in that first round where you got close and you did you did kill a couple of them so i i was able to kill two so what happens is when you kill a counselor you go over the space they're on it's called Maniac Rage or Maniacal Rage, something like that. Yep. I essentially get another free movement. Yes. And you happen to leave people in two positions where I was able to string together two kills right yeah. away. Yeah. And then after the 15 rounds, anybody caught outside is also dead. Right. Uh, so after the first round, I had killed two. One person was caught outside. So we thought you had just two people for the rest of the game and pretty yes. much thought you were screwed. Right. But like you said, the dead counselors do come back. 
Yes. Well, uh, as I mean, they sort different counselors. You, you get come. different counselors of the same color. Of the same color, right? So they are replaced. But um, they're uh, but, they're definitely fresh, and you know they're yeah. <laughs> um, they're not as good or as well prepared, I should say. Um, if if you if you if I care if I have a bear trap and a listen and maybe a, a running a pair of running shoes on one character, mm-hmm. they don't carry over to the new one. He dies no. with those with those pieces of equipment. But they start with their own one token. Yeah, they start with one, which is fine. But it's like, and and I happened to pick two speedsters Mm -hmm. who came in with running shoes, and they were just tearing across the map. And you were like, oh, yeah, oh wow, okay, uh, yeah, I I need to move. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because the 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 counselors do have asymmetrical powers. They do. Uh, Some people can, like you said, when they use their sneakers. Oh, you, you could explain that because I didn't really get to see them. Yeah, so the each counselor has a different ability pinned to one of the five uh, clue tokens. They call them clue tokens. I call them ability tokens. If you use that particular ability token, your special power takes over and amplifies it in some way. Or, and I noticed there were some that force like other players to move, mm-hmm. which can be good, especially late game, and we'll get to that, yeah. but can also be really bad. <laughs> yeah, uh, you could essentially get somebody else killed. Yeah. Oh, absolutely you could. And yeah. uh, that that is exactly why I did not choose those characters. <laughs> Oddly enough, one of the characters looks an awful lot like our friend Jack. He was also the first to die. He was also the first to die. Doug, you're a monster. <laughs> that was that was not Be nice anything Freudian. <laughs> I do not want to murder Jack. Just want to be clear. <laughs> he just happened to be the guy I could get to. We like Jack. We like Jack. Uh, anyway, so yeah, that was that was game one, and like uh, I I survived game one by the skin of my teeth. I got the brown guy and the red guy into one of the cabins, mm-hmm. and that was it. Everybody else was murder stabbed. Yeah, and it's it's difficult to because for the player because it's not like any player can go into any cabin. Right. The cabins only hold up to two people, and the cabins are color coded like the players so the player whose color matches the cabin can go there yeah and any player who has that cabin key right and so the player that unlocked it it's not like the players have no idea where the maniac is either Mm. Um, every third turn the maniac has to reveal where he was three turns ago three turns ago right so it's not super helpful but it does help a little at least I know which direction he's moving in. Yeah, did it create suspense, like, when all of a sudden he'd pop up and you realized... Oh, absolutely. He was, like, right by you. You'd say, oh, I was here three turns ago, and then all of a sudden uh, you'd, you'd hack down a wall and, and break into a cabin, and I'd be like, oh! Mm-hmm. That, no, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> so, and getting those cabins is important, because not only does... If the maniac gets the cabin, he gets those... Uh, passages yeah but one way for the besides the maniac having to reveal himself is if he gets caught in light right and there's two ways for that to happen one you can put lanterns down which light the spaces and the maniac can reveal where he is to take the lantern away uh the other way is if you unlock the cabin with a key there's four lit spots that are permanent the maniac can't touch correct so it's pretty important uh, sort of racing to those it cabins. It makes it a viable strategy for the, the characters to pick up any discarded keys and yeah. continue opening the cabins in games two, three, and four mm-hmm. so that there are more lighted spaces for the, for the maniac to have to work around. Yeah. Okay, so round two, you're chasing me, which I just want to point out as the maniac, it was interesting when I realized I couldn't catch you yeah. I literally started running away. Yeah. Because I knew in round two, uh, the tables were turned. Yeah. So you want to go ahead and explain round two? So round two, I had to move around the board, and every... Was it every turn you had to reveal where you were the turn before? Every third... Every Th- sorry, third, third turn. Every third turn, but instead of revealing where I was three rounds ago, I had to reveal where I actually was. Right. Because it's dawn, you can see a little better. Exactly. And, uh, you know, we were more prepared. We had weapons. We had, you know, sticks and twigs and things. Um, <laughs> well, and it actually... You have, like, a machete, a pitchfork, 
and an axe. Right. It was, yeah. These aren't represented in game. It's just in the fluff at the beginning of the chapter. Exactly. It was still very difficult to find you. Like, I knew Mm. where, roughly where you were, but I, like, it still felt like my characters were just kind of moving blindly. Also, I had three characters starting on the far end of the board. Yeah. And I was like, well, this is... Which we didn't know, which was good, I guess, that I got some kills. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. For you, it was fantastic. For me, it was yeah. like, oh, gosh, this is a slog. <laughs> well, that, I guess that's why you picked your runners, too. I, yeah, exactly. I was like, I need to get across the board very fast, and I picked runners. Yeah. Um, and they were helpful. I, th- I think one of them ended up surviving the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. But that round uh, went surprisingly quickly because it was, it was very, like, streamlined. Yeah. It's basically just run away. Yeah. And then if you catch me... If I catch you, it's round over. Round over, and we move on to round three, but we didn't. I did not catch yeah. you. I you was close. Uh, there Very was cl- one one move Ugh. that if I had moved in a different direction, I would have had you. It was. I, I tell you what, it was nerve wracking. You may not know where I am, but you have so many people going in so many directions, and like you said, there were so many times where we could be at, you know, two roads diverge, and it could literally be fifty fifty on whether you catch me or not. Yeah. I mean, it it was nerve-wracking. And also, we, we described that they the characters move differently. Yes. Uh, white spe- You were using the little white dots. I'm using the numbers yep. as the maniac. Right. Sometimes there's only one white dot between numbers. Other times there's three. Yeah. So I was trying to be aware of the places that would get me the furthest away from you. And my strategy was move between dots that are separated by a big number. Because mm-hmm. every space I cross, even if it's not super close by, might possibly have the maniac in it. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you noticed that, but I was just like aggressively yeah. looking for paths that crossed numbers. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's it's tough because we're, we're both trying to balance sort of the fastest way around the board. Yeah. In that, in that case. And so that ended uh, with uh, with me getting very close, but not quite getting there. And the rules uh, work for that. Like you... Um, it's just, it just basically defaults to uh, whoever came the closest, mm-hmm. and I think my my brown guy was the brown guy pretty close, yeah. close enough. Um, I think brown guy oddly enough, he I mean he survived the whole game. Yeah, well that brings us to round three. It sure does. Or in round three, whichever color was closest becomes a white pawn. Yes, and that person moves to any open cabin yes. open by heroes. Where or the... can start where they start where they, where they were. Oh, they can stay where they I were. I believe they can. Okay, and then uh, the maniac starts at one of the lake spots. Yes. Or can go to any cabin he busted open with an axe. Yes. So it gives him some options too. Because his body was thrown in the lake. Right. So round one, I have to get all. I have to kill all five of you in order to win. Very very hard to do. And round three. All you have to do is kill the white guy. Which is still very, very hard to do. Oh, absolutely. It's it's very specific, and the other player characters are trying to throw themselves under the bus to protect the white guy, and you sort of realize that a little late, I think. Yeah, I, I didn't play... I went specifically for the, the white pawn. Yeah. When... Where it ended up hurting me, I only got one kill that round, and we ended up tied, and the way... The maniac, he also has, like, the players are picking up clue tokens and using those. We've described, like, the lantern, the bear trap, yeah. those type of things. Um, the way the maniac earns his b- powers back, because he also has clue tokens, is to have more corpse tokens on the board, which show up whenever you kill a counselor, yeah. than there are living counselors. And the living counselors can uh, shovel corpses. In other words, they mm-hmm. can bury them and, and remove them from them. the board. Yeah. So my player characters were aggressively shoveling corpses as well as trying to throw themselves in front of the maniac. Yeah. Well, and it also changes because in this round, if the maniac crosses over a counselor, they die. But unlike the first round where if a counselor goes over the maniac, they die. In this round, if the counselor goes over the maniac they move the maniac. Correct. So it reveals their location, and they move them one space. And I think I so did that not once that really yep. threw you off. 
Yeah, he did catch me one time there. And it, it put you in a completely different direction that allowed me to move the white guy way out of harm's way. Yeah, which is really all you needed. I, Although there is a way, there one of the tokens allows you to take an extra turn on round 15. Oh, okay. Um, so all you have to do is stay sort of within striking distance, and yeah. sometimes you, that extra turn can win you the game. Uh, in this case, I was too far away, so I used that token to run away. Right. Uh, I got very close to killing the white pawn. Yep. But I was a little too tunnel visioned, and yeah. I probably needed to hunt down a few more counselors yeah. for a number of reasons. One, it would have made them start back at the beginning yeah, and bought me more time. Two, it had the potential to earn me more of my powers back, which can be big because sometimes they're, they're, the powers are uh, when you have to reveal yourself, you don't have to. Or yeah. another power is if you have to reveal yourself... You can reveal yourself in that spot or any adjacent spot. Right. So it can throw you a little off the track. So I went into that final round with no powers, and you had four characters already on the side of the map that I was. Yeah. Uh, put me in a bad spot. I also realized the next day that I made a mistake because I had a better shot at your white pawn than I thought I did. Okay. Because remember when I... Uh, murdered the yellow character I didn't use my maniacal rage and take my extra turn oh. I'd forgot to use it just because it was my first time playing but that one extra space may have made a huge difference either in that round or in the next round huh. which I'll let you describe the final round uh, in which these menacing kids interfered with my plans so the final round all the heroes are going after the maniac again, but the only one who can actually 86 him, kill him, is the white guy. If anybody else who crosses his path reveals him and sh and brings the group closer. So every other pawn gets to move one free space. Exactly. Which can matter. Oh, it absolutely did. And I didn't think it would at first. I was like, oh, well, yeah. that, okay, maybe that helps a little bit, but not significantly. No, turns out it helped quite a lot because I was actually able to jump the maniac twice in a, in the same round. And since uh, Brown always goes last, my Brown player had a significant advantage. Being being my Brown player being the white guy or the chosen one or whatever. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's that's <laughs> really confusing. Being the white guy, he was the chosen one. <laughs> yeah, the the Brown player was the chosen chosen guy. He could let every other player encroach on the maniac's position and then get him. Yeah, because there's two ways to beat the Maniac. Yep. That white pawn crosses over the space the Maniac is, or if the Maniac has no legal moves. Right. And that's actually how we ended up ending the game. Yeah. kind of cornered me and, I guess, pummeled me to death? Yeah, basically. It just, we just, we just <laughs> I managed to get all my pawns grouped around you such that you had no place to go. Yeah, I couldn't move. And, uh... And that's, and that's why, like... Oh, it was so suspenseful because I, I felt like I was being hunted. That's where, A, that extra move in the previous round may really have helped me. Right, right. Because one move in this game can make or break. And the other time, I was up behind a cabin in, I'll call it the northeast section of the board. Right, right below yes. the graveyard. Yep. And your red pawn was up there. And it was, there were two ways I could go up, but you could go either way. And I was like, it's a 50-50 shot. And you ended up taking one of those routes. Yeah. But I ended up, you kind of chased me south right. instead. Um, but if I had gone up and to the right, all of your characters would have been heading the wrong direction. Right, exactly. And I just, but you don't know that because it's like the moves, I don't know which one's better because it really depends on what you decide to do also. Yeah. So it felt like, it felt, I... I said this during while we were playing high risk high reward it felt like there were times I had a decision to make and it was just tense because if I go to the right I'm in the clear yeah uh, if I go to the left my game is over right and it, it depended just as much on what you did as what I did yes exactly sometimes so last Friday great game really yeah. enjoyed it as far as we're concerned the maniac is incapacitated or in prison or wherever until we play the expansion yeah so I, I would definitely recommend the game oh absolutely way more suspenseful than I thought it would be 
kind of Fury of Dracula-esque, yep. but different enough that you can own both, and I'm glad I own both. Especially if you own Fury of Dracula, because I know that's a pretty popular game, yeah. and have played it a lot, but maybe your group has sort of a metagame, and you kind of want to respark it, this might be the way to go. Yes. Uh, we had a ball with it, and it was weird. The games we actually compared it to were Fury of Dracula and Chess, and and that was it was a really cool intersection of those two those two yeah. games. Everything is difficult. You always feel like you don't have enough time, but you're also accomplishing things. It was it was great. Yeah. So and it was definitely uh, the right game to play this close to Halloween, and I'm really excited that we got it to the table. I, that was the thing too. The rule, the, the rule set is pretty simple, but because the chapter, the four chapters each have their own rules, I thought it was going to be a beast of a game to teach. Yeah, turns out it was not at all. We picked it up very quickly. What was what I did appreciate about it, I think more than anything, was I learned something new every round. The first, yeah. the first round, it felt like oh my gosh, it takes forever to get from one place to another. By mm-hmm. the by, round four, I was zooming across the board. Because yeah, I was taking, yeah. I was paying more attention to the where the spacing of the dots, mm-hmm. and the efficiency of the characters, and using there's there's those cabins you can use. Yeah. For me, there's the, uh, the I can go across the lake once per round. Yeah. Um, I also have a pair of sneakers that give me one extra movement around. Uh, yeah. Well, very early on too, like I pointed out in round three, how I would probably change my strategy the next time. Yeah. But even in round one, I get to lay out those hidden tokens. Yeah, right. Yes. And I think if I had like known the player powers or seen the items that people were carrying, because they can only carry one of a certain item, maybe I lay them out so that you're finding out what that clue is, mm-hmm. but you can't carry it or use it. Right. So it's a little less useful for you. So I uh, right away saw some some strategies maybe to employ that i missed the first go around uh and i I can't wait to get that one back to the table either yeah so yeah i had i had a really good uh uh, between affliction and last friday uh got some new games new horror games and that were really strong awesome and i know there's at least one more uh coming out that we'll definitely talk about next next year legend of sleepy hollow on kickstarter right now from our friends at greater than games we were really I, hoping to have that on the show this week, but uh, unfortunately, it just wasn't in the cards. Yeah. So my uh, my roommate in college, Gump. Yeah. Who I don't know if I mentioned on this show, grew up in Yorktown Heights, New York, which is only about 20, 30 minutes north of Sleepy Hollow. Oh wow. Yeah. I'm I've always been a Sleepy Hollow fan ever since I saw the Disney cartoon as a kid. Ah, nice. Yeah. So we'll definitely we'll definitely check that out, and we will report back to you uh, as soon as we can. <laughs> well, the game doesn't come out till next year. <laughs> For now, if you want to check out older episodes of the podcast, head on over to ghostshipradio.com. To see some of our other work, facebook.com forward slash another letdown is the place to be for that. Adjacent Hex is published monthly by Ghost Ship Radio and is produced by Another Letdown. If you have some feedback for us, you can reach us on Twitter. My name is at D-E-N-O-N-C-Z-D and Doug is at I-T-S-O-K-T-O-L-A-F-F and our hashtag is hashtag Adjacent Hex. If you liked what you hear, make sure to subscribe and share with your friends on social media and in person. Also, make sure to drop by the Ghost Ship Radio website where you can find a link to our Patreon. If you have something a bit long... <laughs> Sorry, I'm just <laughs> reading one of Doug's notes. Yeah, I snuck that in before the show. <laughs> if you have something a bit longer to say to us, feel free to send us an email at theadjacenthex at gmail.com. From all of us here at Adjacent Hex, happy Halloween, and we will talk to you next month. Yeah, I snuck that in and was... Uh, I didn't know if you'd seen it yet. It says, give us money, deadbeat. I feel like that's a little bit rude. (laughs) This show is part of the Ghost Ship Radio Network. For more information, go to ghostshipradio.com.